Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name's Josh Miles. Today, I interview the founder of Vigor Branding, Joseph Zala. Vigor focuses on branding and design in the food and beverage space. So, hope you enjoy our conversation with Joseph today and all of his insights on the food and bev design and branding space. You can get all of today's show notes on our website at obsessedshow.com. Also check out Obsessed Show on Twitter, and I'm at Josh Miles. As a fun side note, Joseph and I talk a little bit about his blog, Grits and Grids, on which he also recently interviewed me, so that should be up this week as well. Be sure to check out Grits and Grids for uh, Joseph's interview with me. So without further ado, please welcome Joseph Zala. Okay, guys, I am excited to welcome founder of Vigor Branding in Atlanta, creative strategist Joseph Zala. Joseph, thanks for being on Obsessed with Design. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so we connected through the wonderful world of Twitter. I think you guys were just interacting with some of the stuff of the show, and um, so we tracked you guys down and found some of your work, and and, uh, I wanted to chat with you. Yeah. Yeah. We are quite active on the social media world on the net, (laughs) the net. Yeah. We're bringing that back. Yes. The net. We have to. It's so good. So from your website, you note that Vigor is a multidisciplinary restaurant, food and beverage branding and marketing firm, proudly based in Atlanta, Georgia, but servicing the world. So how, how did you guys find yourself in food and Bev? Well, I like to eat three squares a day. Um, You and me both. That that was my Yes, it's it's really good. Breakfast being the most important. Yeah, so uh, just doing branding work and design work uh, out of college. I uh, started Vigor, and um, it didn't always um, it wasn't always focused on that world. But I had a friend who had a friend that was a chef, and they were opening a restaurant. They showed me their look, and uh, you know, after I got out of the chair or you know off the floor back into the chair. I was like, you know, please don't do this. Let me fix this. (laughs) Like you have such potential and this is so terrible. Um, Looks like a law firm. It was just really stuffy. And so I did that. And that sort of um, was the spark on the Tinder that, uh, you know, really drove it home and started getting more and more opportunities and uh, realized that's, that's essentially where the passion was. That's what I love doing. I mean, I didn't like working for pharmaceutical. Like liked cashing the checks. <laughs> Who doesn't really? <laughs> right. But I uh but the work was uh highly um unimaginative and boring and not fulfilling. So definitely found our, our stride with the uh food and beverage world. So I think by stalking you guys a little bit, it looks like your firm is about ten years old. Is that right? Yeah, a little over twelve. Yeah. Cool. We're in our, we're in our dirty dozen. And how, so have you been in the food and bev space for like most of that time or is this a, a recent evolution? Interesting. Uh, so l- long story long, uh, I have always advised our clients to stop trying to throw a big blanket on everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and find a niche, find something that you love and go with it. Uh, yet I would go back to our office where we were throwing a wide net and doing <laughs> everything for everyone. So economy hit pretty bad, uh, obviously, in uh, 2008, 2009-er. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I picked up and moved down to Atlanta around that time. Uh, with that move came the epiphany that, wait, maybe I should practice what I preach. 
You know, if I'm going to do work, I have this moment to reset. Why not throw the stake in the ground that this is all we do? And then I won't have to worry about forcing myself through, you know, an an annual report or something that just I would rather just like lay down in traffic. Um, (laughs) Atlanta traffic, no less. Atlanta traffic, which wouldn't do the job because it wouldn't be moving. But uh, (laughs) I would fail and then I would have even more remorse. So so that's what I did. I, I wrote a book. It's currently, I actually took it out of publication because there's technology references in there that are completely archaic now. Typewriters you, and te- faxes and... Yeah, just, uh, you know, <laughs> pushing one letter at a time to try to get that uh, letter slammed on the paper enough. Yeah, mechanicals. Uh, yeah, so I took it off, but uh, that really helped position um, Vigor as this thought leader, or at least up-and-coming thought leader in the restaurant space. And I think with that, it was almost like, uh, you know, it was, it was almost uh, when when you end a really bad relationship and you have that de- the breath of fresh air and you're like, ah, oh, that was actually the best move ever. And I was dreading it. But, like, you know, focusing on restaurant and beverage was like so natural and um, really, really happy immediately, you know, immediate returns on happiness. Nice. Well, tell us a little bit about grits and grids as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I think one of the things that drew me to this podcast was the name, you know, obsessed with the design. And I think, uh, once again, tapping into the things that I have always preached to our clients, I found myself collecting just really great work from around the world. Um, but then it was just for me. Yeah. Like, well, wait a second, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> we should share this. And there's always that, uh, there's always that, um, Oh God, I can't write a podcast. Not a podcast. I can't write a blog post every day. Like who has the time? Mm-hmm. But I can share other people's work because to, to think that every restaurant's going to come to us is mind mind boggling, idiotic. Yeah, you know. So why not uh, take the thing of you know a rising tide raises all ships? So why not? Why not just share? Like you know, there's some great studios out there, you know, and why not share their work and show the world that this exists? And I think. The end result in my head, my vision would be that like there's never an ugly restaurant ever again. Don't know if that'll happen. But <laughs> it's a beautiful you know. vision, though. It is. It is. It's my utopia. It's my Xanadu. A beautiful, delicious vision. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah. So every day we post. Um, well, I say every day, but you know, I didn't do it today yet. So we'll see. All right. Maybe All right. after you get on it after we after we get off this call. That's right. <laughs> so uh, let's back up a little bit. I'd like to um, hear your origin story as a designer. Not only, I mean, I'm guessing you got into food by being a living human, but so how did how did you find your way into this design and branding world? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so in, 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 I would like to say in high school and stuff, but I had no clue, man. I had no clue that like design existed. I didn't know you could do this for a living. Um, right. You know, <laughs> it was like, oh, wow, that's you could pay to that. That's, a, that's <laughs> awesome. So I think, you know, it started comic books. I uh, loved comic books. So the covers of all my books would always be like these comic book scenes that I just, you know, eyed up and redrew. Mm-hmm. So I knew I loved drawing. I knew I loved art. Now, wait, we're going to take a little sidetrack here. So which which was your favorite comic or who were your favorite? Ooh. Yeah, I found myself drawing Wolverine a lot, um, you know, because I liked making his uh, his claws actually slash through the front cover. Oh. You know, that was my well played. Yeah, it was my <laughs> silent rebellion. <laughs> your, dude. Silent rebellion. It's your signature move. 
That's right. Like, I don't need your textbooks on algebra. <laughs> I don't care what X is. Um, yeah, that was my go-to. And then I think uh, from there, that was uh, – I was collecting comic books right about the time Spawn hit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with that. I loved uh, McFarlane's style, you know, the absurdly long capes with the jutting, you know, a raggedness. Yeah. It was just so raw and so different from like – you know, you know. I think DC and, and Marvel went down their little paths of uh, their their flirtation with darkness, but Spawn, like Image Comics, like embraced the darkness and just really went down that road. And uh, I think I was just drawn to that. Very cool. All right. So, we'll, yeah. you were starting to say uh, playing in a band. I think. Hmm. Not the band. Not not the high school band. Although I did. I played clarinet. That's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> But I found a bass guitar and um, found some talent and started playing in a band. And, you know, naturally it's the, uh, well, we're going to play a show. It's going to change the world. Uh, the entire city is going to flock to this venue because we are amazing. We're probably going to get signed and we'll have a million dollars in about a week. Uh, so after that first show, we realized that that's not going to happen, <laughs> <laughs> that nobody cares. And uh, especially for originals, you know, so like cover right. bands, maybe, but original artists, nah, they don't care. <laughs> so I had to start, you know, trying to promote, man. That was my first foray into this thing called marketing and advertising and promotion. And, you know, we I, I was working at a bagel shop, so I didn't really have what you would call a budget to hire someone to do this. Um, and I'm like, well, I like making drawings. I can draw that. So let's just uh, start doing some gig posters mm. and album artwork and, you know, naturally progress from there. The funny thing is, is that bagel shop, that's when I really started to realize like, whoa, this has like a business application to it. Mm-hmm. I could uh, I could design this shop's website in front page. <laughs> <laughs> Very fancy. I know. It's a Microsoft product. You can totally trust it. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing. They're perfect. Yeah. So it was uh, it was a strange journey. You know, I guess I guess I could consider that bagel shop like the first design work I did, but I still hadn't really connected the dots. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I could maybe make a couple extra bucks and pay for that studio time that I need. And then the owner was like, well, you work here, so why don't you just do it? <laughs> <laughs> like, can I do it on company time? No, <laughs> do it in your free time. But you work here. So make make our website. Um, what a great deal. But yeah. Yeah. Like, thank you. You're such a good salesperson. <laughs> Stick to bagels. So how'd you get from bagels to, uh, to figure branding? What, what connected the dots there? Yeah. So, um, I think I realized real quick that, that, uh, that, that business application, um, was there just not with a bagel shop. Mm-hmm. And so, that's when I started looking, I guess, for some sort of semblance of an education. This is back in, in the days before the net really hit. So, you know, you didn't have cool resources that we have today, kids. Um, and you just had to so, rely on direct mail to show up in your mailbox and tell you that there was no, a school there. What, what's the yellow pages? And uh, <laughs> I flipped I flipped through starting with a. Um, yeah. So I tried to find a school. You know, I, I think that was the, nat- the natural progression. I was. Freshly out of high school, I had no clue where I was going. Um, I quickly learned that the band wasn't going to get signed. And even if it did, I, I did not want to get wrapped up into uh, the nightmare that is the music industry. Mm-hmm. The Ponzi scheme that is the music industry. 
And so I found a local uh, school in York, Pennsylvania, where I'm from uh, originally called Bradley. Uh, may she rest in peace. And, and I tried to get in and they rejected me like I think four times before finally, you know, like my fiance, she finally said yes. <laughs> <laughs> you wore her down. That's right. It's like after after enough no's, it becomes a yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's how it started. Um, I, you know, got, I, I started to understand that there is a world of design. There are there are principles of design. It's not just about like drawing something on a piece of paper and you know trying to get some people to a show. Like you have to get people to someone's front doorstep as a business and try to get them to convert to a sale. And uh, from there, I you know started digging deeper that it's more than just that one linear path. Mm-hmm. There's a deeper, you know, deeper root. And I think uh, even back then, that's like 2003, uh, four, five, the branding idea, or, I mean, it was called corporate identity. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think uh, part, of the, part of the misconceptions of what branding is starts there. Corporate identity became brand identity. And then I think people just through their natural inclination towards brevity shortened it to branding when in fact branding is something much deeper. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of our biggest hurdles when we're talking with like clients and even other designers is uh, deconstructing the preconceived notion of what branding is and then reconstructing it hopefully appropriately. You know, the, the corporate identity is an output. Um, it's not a, it's not branding itself. And I think that's been one of the, one of our toughest challenges, especially in a restaurant space where, uh, man, they just want to make burritos. So. <laughs> they don't really get that there's a bigger <laughs> business implication with what we're doing. They're like, no, no, we make burritos. Uh, put something pretty on the front of it. You know? So how do you explain <laughs> uh, branding to a restaurant startup? Yeah, that's uh, thank you for asking it in that manner, because startup is very different than, you know, rebranding, of mm-hmm. course. So to a startup, it's more about trying to find out that person's passion, because um, it's usually start, uh, started up by one or two folks. Um, so I actually find the conversation quite easy. It's it's tough to nudge them into to into like uh, not talking about the food as, as the main point of differentiation, um, and I usually do that like by just challenging them when they say, "Oh man, we're gonna have the best pizza." I'm like, "No, you're not. That's not true." <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm like, I mean, you may think that, but uh, I I happen to like New York style pizza. So if you're not making New York style pizza, or you are, and it's not up to par. Your pizza sucks. Yeah. In my right. eyes. And I was like, that's how every consumer is. So what we really need to be selling here is uh, something deeper. And that's your passion behind it. What's driven you to get here? Um, what's that motivating belief? And yes, pizza is an output, but uh, it's not the defining moment. It's not the human truth. And uh, they start to get it, uh, you know, when we start roping in some other bigger name brands like Apple and their roots, um, even Chipotle to a certain extent, they're, they're, you know, thanks to Chipotle, make, this conversation has gotten easier. Mm-hmm. You say, well, you know, Chipotle's burritos, do you like them? And I would say more than half the time, no, they don't. They don't like the burrito. I don't even like Chipotle's food. I think it's crap. I don't like it. Sorry, guys. I love you. <laughs> but I don't <laughs> I don't like the food that much. But I, I like the ideal. I like the principles. Um, obviously, they've hit some snags, but I, I honestly think they will rebound quite quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... The conversation's gotten easier, and it's it's usually pretty easy to get someone to talk about something that they really love. Um, I find the high, hardest conversations are when the restaurant startup has <clears throat> been enacted because someone saw a business opportunity as far as money making, mm-hmm. um, and then you're just dealing with this sort of this this uh, 
carcass of nothingness and you have to sort of inject a story into it. And it's like, oh, man, can can you f- learn to fall in love with this idea as your motivating belief, not the numbers? Right, right. And, you know, we, we deal with it in, in many different ways. But uh, I think, you know, igniting that passion is the number one thing. And as long as we keep it focused on that, they can understand, oh, that's what, that's what branding is. Okay. And then, yes, we'll look at pretty pictures soon. But without that moment, without that beginning part, those pictures are meaningless, you know? So as a, as a branding uh, company, you guys have uh, looks like a, a sizable team inside of your office. What What's that makeup look like for your shop as you're, you know, executing this nebulous thing that we call branding? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> Well, you know, branding is, I think, the uh, foray into Vigor. And then from there, you know, we do, I think, like any firm, obviously, we do so much more. Um, so we have a nice collective of, of course, the account people mm-hmm. whom we love and adore because they're super organized. <laughs> you know, we, we would be nowhere without you. Um, they tell us to make the logo have... bigger and to make it red. <laughs> and right. that it's late. But I really like red. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's coming up on deadline. Are you going to be delivering that? <laughs> <laughs> so we have those guys. They're great. Uh, and then as far as the creative team, um, I would say we have maybe 10 to 12 folks between copywriters, designers. Everyone wears a lot of different hats, though. So I think the titles are more just, well, we got to call us something. And mm-hmm. superhero names are going to sound weird to a client. So... <laughs> I guess we'll fall into that trap of, you know, account or account, or account director, creative director and stuff like that. Right. But we, we find a lot of value in, in people that can think beyond the brief and actually know how to take a brief and run and make magic happen, uh, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the commonality between all the creative is uh, the innovative thinking that we have. You know, it's not just about designing a logo and ticking that box. It really is about diving deep into the roots of the brand and that human truth and communicating. So as a founder with a design background, I'm curious, you know, maybe our listeners are too. kind of how you spend your day today. Are you designing at all? Do you spend your day doing emails or meetings or what's, what's kind of your, your mix or what's an average day or week look like for you? Yeah. So one of the things that I have always promised myself about Vigor is I never wanted to be uh, an, an owner that was off the pulse or not involved in the design side. I'm a designer first. Mm-hmm. This may be a bad idea uh, <laughs> when it comes to business. Um, <laughs> and I'll be the first to admit that, but it's not a bad idea when it comes to me. Uh, so, yes, I still design. Um, I still do strategy work. I uh, I still oversee designers and copywriters. Mm-hmm. I, I write a lot. Um, I'm the one who's doing the blog uh, just because I'm the one who's finding all the stuff. Cause again, I'm, I'm, I love it. I love looking at other people's work. I love getting jealous of other people's work. I love getting mad that I didn't have that opportunity <laughs> or I, I didn't like do that work, you know, but I find that that sharing that work with the world makes me happy. Um, so I still do that. And then yes, there's the emails, there's the new business. Um, I actually rather like new business cause I get really, uh, I get really passionate about vision and ideas and I play mm-hmm. off of other people's passion quite well, which then inevitably leads to heartbreak if we don't get the work. But I'm like, but I loved you <laughs> after that first date, man. Like <laughs> you were my favorite, but I try to keep involved with every project and every client. You know, I don't want to ever be that talking head that brings you in the door and then you don't, you don't see again until 
a key milestone right. where I glad hand you and say that you look great and then walk away, you know? Um, so that's, that's my day. Usually a mix of everything. So, um, a ton of the guys that we've talked to on this show, side projects seem to be kind of a theme of, <laughs> of what we end up talking about. Do you guys have any yeah. particular side projects that you're pursuing? I know you mentioned the book earlier in the, in the blog. So what, what else do you guys have cooking? Yeah. So, uh, grits and grids is definitely, uh, our passion project. It's actually funny. I, I'm, I'm currently being threatened with a lawsuit cause I, uh, I used somebody's photo as uh FPO mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be, I, I forgot to remove it and replace it with an actual licensed photo. <laughs> it's just, it's a complete like negligence on my part. Uh, Cause it is a passion project. We mean, which means we squeeze it into the 15 minutes to 20 minutes we have daily. Right. I forget where I was going with that, but uh, yeah, so that that's, that's a labor of love. We make no money on it. You know, I have some ads up there, but it's like, it's Google ads. So I made 50 cents last week. I was pretty pumped about wow, that. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm hoping by June <laughs> I can collect all of that money and get like an ice cream cone. I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> well worth it. Um, but yeah, so I'm actually rewriting, uh, rewriting the first book that I wrote to, uh, I think be more high level thinking and le- less, uh, playbook executional style. Mm-hmm. That way I can sort of uh, circumnavigate the the net, always messing with my technology thoughts um, in, in writing. And then uh, we are toying with unleashing a line of some uh, T-shirts and swag. There's been this uh, – so we're designers. We like puns, right? I mean, Oh, yeah. Puns, puns are fun. Um, and so when we're doing like restaurant naming and stuff, of course, you have a lot of bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you can see where I'm going with this. Um, so we're going to make some really bad idea restaurant T-shirts and logos and designs, you know. And uh, this is actually the first I'm talking about it in public. <laughs> but we're pretty uh, pretty excited. Like, you know, Dosva Donuts would be like a Russian donut bakery. Um, we have uh, – what's another one? Halal Pinos. It's like Mexican halal food. Um, <laughs> you know, I figured at the very worst, you know, somebody may buy this and have a good laugh at it. It's not a money-making scheme. It's just more like an outlet to ease the pain on troubled clients from time to time, you know, <laughs> where the clients that actually do want to name themselves that. And we're like, can we please not do that? <laughs> a writer that used to work for us a few years ago had has a running list I should connect you to. And um, mm. I think all of his ideas are either frozen yogurt or gelato themed so it's i like it it's a good it's a good niche it's a he's sort of cornered the market on you know frosty treat puns i like it i'm, I'm gonna have to get this out the door fast if he doesn't try to hop on that train <laughs> <laughs> and and broyo is mine okay that's mine it's gonna, obviously a frozen yogurt place inside of a gym <laughs> <laughs> high protein yogurt it's, oh <laughs> It'll make you sweat. That one's free. That's right. <laughs> Are you guys um, big fans of conferences or networking or, you know, how do you guys get out there and learn what's going on and what's what's that look like for bigger? Um. Yeah, God, I wish I could go to a conference. We try to focus our efforts with conferences on our, our niche industry. So it's not really design conferences that we show up at. That's a, a problem that I'm trying to fix this year. Um, I, I would like to get to how design conference, you know, uh, and some of these other ones, but we usually find ourselves trying to go to the, uh, NRA show, National Restaurant Association, 
um, franchise shows, stuff like that, so we can see what's coming down the path, um, what technologies are affecting the industry, and then we can kind of think about how do we leverage those or use those in what we do. I find the design... I love the design scene, but usually I can pick up what's going on with the trade journals and stuff, you know, some mm-hmm. com arts and stuff like that. If I just read there, I've, and, and this is my ignorance talking. I don't know. I've, I've actually only been to like an AIG event once or twice, but those events I've been like, okay, I mean, I kind of knew this stuff. Like uh, what, what value am I really getting besides getting energized about design? And I think that happens every morning, just waking up and getting to do this. Um, but yeah, so we, we we don't we don't really show up at the shows. I want to. Maybe I'll send like a liaison with a Joseph mask on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. That could be creepy. We'll know who it is because he'll have the food pun shirt on. That's right. Yes. We'll be wearing the uh Kuka Sriracha <laughs> shirt. <laughs> so what would you say you are most obsessed with right now? Oh, God, in the creative field? Mm-hmm. Or sure. okay. Um because I love my dog. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with her. So, yeah, in the creative field, I am most obsessed with – man, that's a tough question. Um, it's more ethereal, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm just really obsessed with experiential and what that means uh, to to us as creatives and designers. I think it's a largely untapped and almost um, – we're almost afraid of it. I think, you know, we, we get so into the, to, to the minutia of like designing layout and these beautiful pictures and then it's pressed and it's out the door. Mm-hmm. And then the, the experience with those, with those elements are, is rarely seen. Um, we kind of throw it out there and hope that's uh, that it communicates appropriately, but thinking beyond that initial moment and what happens inside the four walls of a restaurant, outside the four walls of a restaurant and, and how those brand experiences are tailored with design thinking um, and that, that, that is like my focus right now. Cause I think that's where we, that's where we lose control mm-hmm. and, um, not that we need control, but just, you know, that, that, that's, that's where we, we don't design that now, you know, so you could design this beautiful look and, you know, for a high end restaurant or something, uh, let's just say like, they're like going to be, uh, a James Beard Michelin star restaurant and you call and the person's like, Hey y'all. And that, you know, we, we didn't design that. We didn't mm-hmm. like let them know that, Hey, this is the way we want you to answer the phone or, mm-hmm. you know, or even when they're greeted at the counter, we usually have no say over that. And so I'm really obsessed with trying to inch my way into those worlds as well and, um, start tailoring the same way we would do a layout or, or a logo design or copy tailoring those experiences even more to where they don't come off contrived, but they come off uh, immersive and genuine and, but still communicate that brand that we wanted to have. Yeah. That's, I think about it way too much probably. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, so maybe that's a good segue into, um, you know, when you're talking about clients that there are parts of the brand that you didn't get a chance to really inform or design, what are, what are maybe some of the red flags that you look out for, you know, in those new business meetings to say, Oh man, I don't, this is not going to be a good fit. Like what's, what are the things that jump out to you that you, you know, right away that this is maybe not the right, the right client. Yeah. Um, so I hate the word just, (laughs) wow. I've never heard anybody but me say that. That is, that's my word. Oh yeah. I hate it, man. But this uh, is, you're the guest today. So you talk about it. (laughs) No, no, please chime in too. I mean, um, unless, unless you're talking about 
somebody getting their just due. I, I don't I don't like the word just at all. I think it is so um, it's uh, it diminishes the power of everything. It, it strips everything of its strength. And if someone so if we're in a meeting and you know a sentence like oh you know we're we're just trying to make some pizza. Or we're, we're just we're just trying to do this. I'm like, well, why? You know, mm-hmm. if it's not that big of a deal, then how are we supposed to make it a big deal? Um, you know, and if, if if it starts to flip, that that's probably going to bleed into what we do too. And there is a general lack of respect for it. Um, I mean, like if you don't even respect what you're doing on a daily, you're not going to respect what we do on a daily. And if there's no mutual respect, then the work is not going to come out good. The the situation is going to sour quick. There's going to be a lot of resentment, and then nobody walks away a winner in that in that regard. Yeah. So, and it's funny because there's a bit of inner inner turmoil with that too, especially with naming. Naming is, I don't know if you have any experience with naming. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, it is, it is, that is a labor of love. You got to love naming to do it. And we do love it, which is the problem. So I, I get into this inner turmoil of, uh, even with like logo design and naming, I think they're kind of obviously symbiotic, mm-hmm. but in so many ways, these elements are empty vessels, or at least they should be. And it's it's about what you do and how you do it and your passion that fills those vessels with meaning. And so when a client starts nitpicking on what we can consider like very granular, unimportant details, mm-hmm. I find myself using the word just like, dude, it's just the name. And I know it's really strong, but I'll fight myself on this in the same way. Like it's very important, but it's very not important at the same time. Right. You know, it's uh, you know, we start. But, you know, you have to kind of pull in those examples like Apple, like, you know, Apple is probably a really dumb name. Um, and I don't think any client I've ever experienced would ever go for it um, until you realize that it's it's what Apple has done that has made that name and that logo powerful and strong. It's simple. There's brevity. There's you know strength in that confidence to have that kind of name. Mm-hmm. So, I, I yeah, just is like it's a word that haunts me because I can't get it out of my own vocabulary. Um, you know. <laughs> And, uh, but I think it's, it's such an ugly word, man. It's probably one of the ugliest four little words. (laughs) (laughs) I am right there with you. So we were talking a little bit before the call about, you know, speaking of red flag clients, sometimes, sometimes one that's not a great fit sneaks in and then you get to the breakup moment. So you were telling me about a, a recent breakup story. Like, how do you, how do you know when it's time to time to say goodbye? Yeah, I am notoriously bullheaded, um, when it comes to, uh, relationships with clients and, and jobs and anything like that. So I'll stick around way, way, way too long. But, you know, th- this client, I think, man, they have such a great passion. At least the head of them has a great passion uh, for what they're doing. And uh, I think that's what attracted me to them and made me really excited about the brand is um, his thinking was there. His his uh, his heart was in it. It wasn't just about creating a brand that's going to get big, make a lot of money and, you know, Hey, we're going to get signed and go on tour. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was, uh, it was something real. And, uh, little did I know that he was going to be a knob turning, micromanaging, get, get in the way of himself, demolish the project kind of client. And so it's a bummer. Like you, you know, we'll work hard. That's never the problem. We'll work light nights. We'll work over holidays. We'll work over weekends. Um, I think that's just what we all do because we love what we do. But for when I started looking at the file naming and I start seeing the number 16, the number 20, 
Uh, I think at, at the at the worst, it was 27 revisions mm-hmm. on a strategy document because he didn't like the word curate. He liked the word cultivate. And yes, we want to get it right, but <clears throat> he was getting tripped up on things like that. And then 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 started the insults um, that were meant as uh, motivators. You know, I think he was I, th- I think he thought he was motivating when, in fact, he was uh, demeaning and insulting. And um, this is coming from a guy who uh, was preaching the good word of respecting other people's skills mm-hmm. and what they do mm-hmm. and they love. And so at some at one point it just came down to like, hey, man, you're, you're not living what you want to live here because you're not respecting what we do. And um, we got through that first engagement and it was OK, let's talk about phase two. Okay. And. I kind of took the coward way out. I just dropped a really big number that I knew was scare him away. <laughs> the old pricing. Break up via pricing. Right. Like, I know how to get a client to go away. <laughs> just start putting some zeros. Um, but no, I mean, it was it was, a, it was an honest number, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Is when we started taking into account that average number of revisions, the average amount of time that was spent, and you start plugging that into, you know, the good old Excel sheet of, you know, a uh, percentage of time spent on this project, the number's big. Yeah, right. It's a big number. And it's shocking to you as, as like a, as someone who's doing pricing or trying to price out work, I think we all notoriously undersell ourselves because we're scared of losing a job because of price. Um, but when you start to look at the time investment that you had and you start to turn around and look at the missed opportunities because you were involved in a client that you weren't, ha- no one was happy, man. No one. Mm-hmm. We all had happiness in, in high hopes for the brand, but the relationship was terrible. And uh, I think, you know, we said that over. We had a discussion. And um, in that discussion, they, they challenged our capabilities on launching new brands, which was weird. It was sort of like that David Duchovny scene in, in Zoolander where, <laughs> where he's like, you know, we, we've just gone through this huge presentation of like how we launch brands. And, and, and then like the one guy was like, but do you have any experience like launching new brands? <laughs> We're like, wait, are you kidding? I just went over that. Like, (laughs) what were you doing for the last 40 minutes? (laughs) So at that point, it was like, hey, we're here when you're ready. We're going to go ahead and do other things and let you just, you know, do you. And, uh, you know, I think it was a mutual decision, honestly. I think they they were unhappy. We were unhappy. And uh, I can't wait to eat at their restaurant. I'm really excited to taste this food and uh, I hope I hope they make it. Yeah, but Atlanta's a tough town. Not a lot of people know that it's uh, it's mostly transplants. So it's mm-hmm. like we've all lived in New York. We've all lived in uh, L.A. or Chicago or Indianapolis or uh, these other cities. But we've come here, and so when, <clears throat> especially in the food world, if you try to come here and tell us how it's done, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell you where to go. <laughs> and uh, and that, that's happened, you know, Batali came and went. Emerald came and went. Um, all these big names have come here and gone because they've come with this attitude of, oh, you guys, you Southerners. And it's like, well, wait, we're Southern by choice. Like we, we moved here. Like we, we know what great high end Michelin star food is. And yeah. That's great if that's what you're bringing, but you better do it with your head down. You better do it with a humble approach because if you think you're coming here to tell us how it's done, we've already seen it. We're good. See you later. We don't want people like that. And uh, the city has a way. That's how we spit people out because, you know, I think everyone has sort of adopted this southern spirit. 
who's moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, hospitality is big. You know, we, we want to smile at you. We want to shake your hand. We want to say hi. You know, we're genuine. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Like one, one, a copywriter I met, love this guy. I just moved here and I, I was walking into this office uh, of an agency that we partner with. And he's like, hey, man, how you doing? How's your, you know, what'd you do last night? What's going on? And I'm like, it was fine. And I, I was like taken back. I was almost like pissed. <laughs> I'm like, who, who the f- are you, man? Like, get out of my face. Why do you want to know this? And I, I was like, wait a second. And I had actually, I circled back like five minutes later. I was like, I'm so sorry. It's just where I come from, someone acting like that, you're, you're after something. And so my initial gut reaction was to recoil and like get defensive. Yeah. I was like, and I, I, I just, I think you're probably just a really nice person. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I really met it. He's like, I, I didn't take offense. I just thought you were busy. And I'm like, oh no, man, I just wanted to say, sorry. I, uh, I felt bad, but, uh, yeah, that was a tangent, but you know, that's a, uh, that's a beautiful thing about, uh, I think when I, when I decided to move to Atlanta, it was really a spin the globe thing. I'm glad I landed. Yeah. It's a good spot. And, you know, I think what's great is you get that Midwestern vibe too, because mm-hmm. so many people have come from Chicago and, and Indianapolis and uh, St. Louis, and uh, you get that Northern vibe. And it's, I think it's like really the, um, I think it's the American dream. If that doesn't sound too lofty, because uh, you have a lot of great people from great places doing great things. So maybe it's just by virtue of you know living in Atlanta. But where do you go for inspiration? Where do you find inspiration? Mm. Gritsandgrids.com. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think I hit the same uh, sites that we all know and love. Uh, Behance obviously is awesome. It's such a great resource for just seeing what's happening out there and seeing some good work from around the globe. I think that's the most important thing is it's really easy to fall into what's happening down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you experience it just by driving or walking or, or eating. I want to see what's being done in Kiev. I want to see what's being done in Southeast Asia. You know, like like uh, have you ever heard of Foreign Policy Design Group? No, have to check them out. Yeah, they're they're great. I want to say they're out of Singapore, I think, but Singapore is just uh, churning out some just great design work, uh, really pushing the boundaries on things. And um, I think they're just really rethinking. And I think what's great about over there is they have such great access to um, inexpensive production. So, for instance, like foreign policy, they when they do a restaurant brand, they're doing uh, uniform and apparel, mm-hmm. which I have such I've got to have such a hard on for that because y- y- we can't do that here. You know what I mean? Right. Like you do like a custom apparel. It's like a two, three hundred dollar outfit. And, you know, no waitress is going to wear that right. like you can't. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, so I'm assuming that Singapore has access to less expensive means so they can create. Again, thinking about that holistic experience when it comes to every brand, not mm-hmm. just restaurants, but, you know, it can even be broken down into law. You know, if you have, uh, you know, if you have a Southern guy who refuses to cut his hair and he's wearing a blazer, you know, khakis rolled up with loafers, but you're trying to be a high end power law firm, mm-hmm. that that changes your game. That weakens who you are. So it's it's really interesting to think about that. So I, I Behance has been a great tool for finding that stuff. And that's a lot of the inspiration for, for my blog too. I almost don't want to post stuff from the States Mm -hmm. because I think it's readily accessible. Um, I do want to post stuff from crazy countries with different cultures that rethink things the way that, that, that we don't think and approach it in a different way. Design inspiration from up North. Mm -hmm. If you, if you've been there from North is a great resource, Um, but all, all online and then travel. I think every designer says they like to travel. I like to travel. I just don't get to travel as much as I'd like to. (laughs)
you know, but I'm, I'm really pumped about, uh, I'm getting married actually, uh, July 2nd and we're, we're getting married in Italy. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm really pumped about that trip, go to Europe and just see, you know, I, I think especially in Milan, we won't be there, but, um, seeing the way a, uh, a world that has such history, millennia of history, Stay, con- continuously change and, 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 and reinvent themselves or tran- transition, I think is the right word, gives such great inspiration on the old and the new and the convergence of them. Um, and I think there's a lot to learn and pick up there. So I'm really excited for that trip. And I'm getting married, so I'm excited for that too. Excellent. So <laughs> going through some of your clients between um, local guys that we're aware of, uh, Steak and Shake and Zaxby's and of course, lots of local and regional brands to Atlanta, Mm-hmm. what's your kind of take on self-promotion and how do you feel like you've helped land some of these clients? Yeah. Um, glad you brought that up. So I, I was working in New York for a little while, a couple, uh, back in like 2007, 2008, I had an office inside of another agency, which I, I found is a great way to grow. Um, you know, align yourself with a larger place and, serve as a, <laughs> a leech almost, um, <laughs> and just kind of sit in their space, use their, use their uh, resources and help them and define something that they aren't, weren't readily able to offer. So mm-hmm. for me, it was web, uh, it was building websites and understanding what that took. Um, so while there, I remember the, um, as, as we're trying to sell web to these dinosaur clients, the owner and I got to talking and I was like, you know, we should really think about reapproaching your, you know, the firm's website, the, the, the agency's website. Mm-hmm. And his words to me were, uh, we'll, we'll never get any business from our website. It's just, it's just a portfolio to send them to. I'm like, okay, it's cool. <laughs> 90% of the work that we have brought in through vigor, we haven't done anything except sit there. Uh, mm-hmm. If you do a search for restaurant branding on the Google, um, grits and grids and vigor are one and two, and that fuels a ton of of business opportunities um, to the point where I often question, like, what would happen if I actually did something? You know, like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm busy over here. Like, you know, if I dedicated myself to new business, I wouldn't be designing. So. Right. Um, I, I, I strongly suggest that people take search engine optimization very, very seriously. To me, I think it's uh, it's one of those uh, check mark, you know, check boxes that you have to have to create a good website experience, even for yourself. Um, understanding like keyword usage and maximizing traffic in that manner can do wonders, you know. And then social media. Uh, I hate to rag on something that everybody knows, but. Mm-hmm. I, I've been doing Grits and Grids for, I would say, a few years now. And only two months ago, I posted something and uh, the designer was like, hey, what, what, you know, what, what's your Instagram handle? I'm like, oh, we don't have an Instagram. Oh, wait, we don't have an Instagram for, for this blog. <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, so we immediately like launched the Instagram and I, you know, I post on there. So but that's a great way to show the work. And I mean, it's obviously it's visual. Yeah showing your process, uh, showing things that you've done. Um, so that, you know, her comment to me sparked, obviously the grits and grids account, which is slowly growing. We're almost at 200. I'm super pumped. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but then, you know, I I had a personal account slash vigor account that always kind of meandered between personal and professional. Mm -hmm. And that 
I have pushed back the professional side more to not lose the humanity of like who I am since I'm the face of vigor, but uh, to show more of the work because I found that I was showing more pictures of my dog or my life oh, right. and not necessarily, you know, work and stuff that's up and coming and, you know, thought stuff. So um, I think that and then writing articles, you know, mm-hmm. being a thought leader. Um committing to writing, which has been a big thing. I have like six or seven ideas in my head of articles and haven't started writing them yet. Um, they're going to be great though. I promise. <laughs> we can't wait to read them. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm big in China. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about one of your proudest moments as a designer. Love this question. So, you know, we have a lot of discussions, you know, here in the office as well as like other friends that are in the industry. To me, I think a lot of people get off on hitting those milestones like, oh, we, we got this Super Bowl ad or, oh, you know, this was published in X magazine. Like, look, mom, we made it. Um, for me, my favorite moments are, I think, uh, opening events for restaurants, mm-hmm. especially when it's that client that they're finally seeing their vision in reality. Yeah. Um, those to me are pivotal. They're moving. Um I tear up like a little sissy, uh, <laughs> you know, cause you know, so most recently we, we did this, a bunch of work for cidery. It's the first one here in Atlanta and, uh, it's a husband and wife team who this, this has been their dream for like the last four years. And so when we opened it and they were teary eyed, I was teary eyed and, you know, it was like the ending of a, of a movie, even though it was the beginning of, of their movie. Um, that to me, Every day of the week. I don't care if I go broke doing it. I, I want to see that more than a Super Bowl ad. You know, I want to see that more than, oh, this work that I did, you know, sold this piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that, like, you know, the numbers, of course, matter and sales matter. But to me, like, I think that emotional connection is like, that's why I get up and do it, you know. So maybe it's not a Super Bowl ad, but what's a dream project for you? What do you want to do that you haven't tackled yet? Hmm. It's a good question too. Uh, I do want to get into working with some larger clients. So we've had our run-ins, like you said, with Steak and Shake or, you know, with Zaxby's and I love working with them mainly, especially Zaxby's because they still have that family mentality. Um, so working with a team is like hanging out with brothers and sisters and just thinking about how to make the family better. For me, I want more clients like that, but like on that scale, though, larger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to work for a company who's poised to reinvent themselves on a larger scale, like like uh, Panda Express just did. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of emotion that can be injected into a brand that's sort of lost their way. Um, I think Steak and Shake, to a certain extent, is still poised to do so. Um, I think that's where the the new ownership seeks to push it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think my, my dream project would, I think, oh, you know, I would like to work with Chipotle. I'd like to work with Chipotle now. You know, I think this would be, and they, they would probably want to punch me in the face for saying this because they don't find it exciting. But I think this is an exciting time for them because it's like, you know, uh, anybody can work for someone that's on top. You know, that's just a matter of keeping the, the boat afloat. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, you know, there's still an art to it. But, you know, this boat has at least sunk a couple feet. You know, they, they have <clears throat> they've tarnished their name uh, in, a, in a number of regards. And I think right now will be such an exciting time to work with them to communicate, you know, reestablish their roots and what that means beyond drawing the line between 
sustainability in food. I think they forgot about the line between the uh, sustainability of their of their human resources, of their people, of their team. Um, I think that's a big, big trip up for them. You know, it's a little bit cocky for me to sit here and tell them how to run their business because I'm not an operations person. But people forget that, especially in the restaurant industry and uh, in a lot of other industries, that 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 people are a marketing uh, conduit as well. So if you see them as strictly labor, you, you, you will not have good brand representatives. And these are the people that are in the faces of your fans or fans to be every single day. And yet you wipe your feet on them. So I think for them, it would be awesome to be a part of it now and try to raise that shit back up and make it stronger, better, um, try to re- reinforce the same mentality that they've had with their supply chain, with their, uh, with their team. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I, I mean, I think that's what we're really taking to the next level. That would be my dream project right now. So if you weren't designing, what do you think you'd be doing? You probably think I'd be running a restaurant, <laughs> but I, I would not. <laughs> um, I've, I've had, uh, I've had many conversations about that and God knows we've, we have our ideas for restaurants, but, um, I would rather take a toaster bath than, uh, <laughs> than run, run a restaurant. I, I wouldn't, I would be designing. There's, there's no other choice for me. There really isn't. Um, I've, even when I thought I didn't want to do it, I still end up doing it, you know? <laughs> so it's design it's or toaster bath. Those are the choices. <laughs> exactly. It's the only choice. And I'd probably design the toaster before I made with it. So <laughs> like, this is completely unintuitive. How am I supposed to throw this into this water? <laughs> this cord's getting in the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's design all around. I mean, I think it'd be maybe another form of design. So I, I have been doing a lot more interior design stuff hmm. and I love it because I think, uh, you know, the interior space has the same problems that we have as designers where it, it turns into decoration real quick. And for me, the interior space is such a, a huge opportunity. Like that's experiential for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's if you're if you're just throwing stuff on walls to make it look cute, you're God, you're missing so many opportunities to really drive home an emotion. Um, so I think I would end up in the architecture and interior space, which oddly enough is what I studied in high school and moved away from to go to design. So what would you say is your best piece of advice, either one that you give out regularly or one that you've received? Mm. So my, my number one piece of advice for every designer, um, it's at the end of any presentation I've given is be nice. Just be, be a nice person. You will feel good about yourself if you're just a nice person. Um, you may get walked on. You may you may get hit in the stomach from time to time. But I think if you're nice, it comes through in your work. It's a lot like uh, you know, so if you ever had to lay down vocal tracks for a song for music, the first thing a vocal coach will tell you to do is smile while you sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference between the sound of your voice when you smile uh, as you sing compared to not is – night and day you can hear such a huge difference when you smile while you sing um it's brighter it's clear it's a crisp it's direct it, there's emotion in it you can almost see the smile um even even when you're singing every you know angry lyrics because you're in a a raging hardcore band because you're so brooding as a teenager which was me <laughs> smiling when you sing it changes the tone in a, in a good way and so i think if you're nice if you're smiling while you work 
Um, if you're smiling when you talk to people and if it's genuine, I think uh, overall that work-life balance, that, that's the balance that you're looking for is that smile. Um, there's, of course, a ton of other good good pieces of advice to help you get ahead in your career, um, to help you do better work. But I, I honestly think that being a genuinely nice person is probably one of the greatest gifts that you can give to yourself and the world. Yeah, I feel like even uh, even when you have to deliver bad news or, um, you know, an unwanted piece of feedback to the client, doing it with a smile is is uh, <laughs> it sure makes it go a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're consistently nice, too, I think the clients start to realize that there is not a divide between there's not a table between us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on the same side. I have your back. And I think that's something that's missing from a lot of relationships when it comes to at least our our world is it's it's always seen as a vendor relationship. And we are always saying how we want to be partners, yet we'll argue over the nuance of the color purple of their logo. The logo will fall on that sword. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take a step back, I'm going to use the four letter word. It's just a little change. Like, you know, like, is it really, is that the sword that really matters? Will yeah. you connect them to more sales, a stronger brand because they, they preferred a cooler version of Aubergine, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, um, so I think, you know, demonstrating the true partnership means that you're nice to them, that you do have their best interests at heart. And I think that will be reciprocated in most cases. Um, in the cases where it's not, that's a telltale sign of a really bad relationship that you don't need to be in. In that case, Break out the pen, start putting some zeros behind the number, and uh, they'll run away for you. <laughs> Taking us full circle. That's so, right. <laughs> Joseph, what do you think you'll be doing 10 years from now? Uh, same thing. Absolutely. Same thing. I I, uh, I get excited to think of where this industry, uh, both industries, so re- restaurant, beverage, and, uh, and design, I get excited to think of where it's going to go um, and how quickly some of us will fall into the... Uh, the curmudgeon we fear change mm-hmm. attitude, right. you know, uh, that whole like, in my day, we used Adobe and we <laughs> liked it. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's amazing because I think technology, technology has its sights set on the restaurant industry. And I think how that technology is introduced, how it works, how it, how it communicates the brand, most importantly, it's going to be a very interesting time to be a part of that industry. It has to happen. I mean, we still have people writing down orders on a piece of paper with a pencil. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have people who won't even do that. They'll, they'll look at you and act like they remembered everything and then you get your stuff back and they write. Um, <laughs> Which is <laughs> you know, less they're, impressive they're, than maybe they're aiming for. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, but if they, you know, if they bring a cheesecake right behind that that I didn't order and I don't have to pay for it, it kind of makes up for it. But I think there's so many opportunities. Uh, obviously, McDonald's is, is you know experimenting with their slap in the face of the people who think minimum wage should be astronomically high um, by introducing kiosks. And some people will argue and say that that takes away the human element. I, I think that it's an opportunity to introduce the human element. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you've been to an airport recently where you had to rent a car, but. The enterprise, I think enterprise or budget, some of these other places are doing a really good job of introducing the kiosk without losing the human element. You actually have a video. You're talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. They're just not – you just can't punch them in the face yeah. like you know, because it's just a video. I thought you were going to go with uh, a lot of the restaurants that I've seen in several airports have the iPad ordering. So mm-hmm. you sit down and you've got the iPad at your at your table. So they've really been able to, to run on more of a skeleton crew. So the, 
the human that you do interact with is not the one who's standing there trying to remember what you just said. They're just the ones bringing you your food and, you know, providing more of that customer service side. Yeah. And I, I think that's where that kind of fails a little bit because they don't really provide the customer service. They don't provide that human interaction that I think we all still, I don't think we're ever going to not want it. They'll, they'll bring your food to you, ask you if you need another water. And that's about it. <laughs> um, I think there needs to be a face. I think there needs to be someone that helps you through the menu. Like, um, what if you have a question on how this is built? Mm-hmm. Does this have a peanut allergy? And you can design it to like show that. But I think, and this is where every copywriter will get really pissed at me immediately. You know, people don't read. You know, they'll read a headline, which is why headline writing is so important. But they're not going to read the details and nuances of a description. I think you need that person. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's where that's where I think our our jobs are going to get really interesting sooner than later is how do we humanize cold experiences with technology? You know, how does it become intuitive? Um, and we can go down a huge rabbit hole of, you know, um, you know, our Apple watches or whatever, our smart watches interacting immediately with those iPads. So that per- like that iPad knows about us before we even know about us kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, hey, Josh, I saw that you run five miles today. You know, what would be really good for that is like, here's this. Here's a menu <laughs> we created for you. You know, um, you're like, run five miles. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as my Apple watch thinks I've run, then I'll know that it's broken. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ran down to get yes. another like a uh, hamburger or something. Maybe, maybe I was being chased for a prolonged period of time. That's <laughs> that's the only realistic scenario. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's that's what I get excited about, man. There's a yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a strange, fun future. Excellent. Well, Joseph, with that, I appreciate you spending some time chatting with us today and uh for being on the show. Absolutely. And uh of course, thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's episode number 22 in the books. Thanks again for joining us on Obsessed with Design. Again, be sure to check out the Grits and Grids blog post where Joseph interviews me. You can find all of today's show notes on our website at obsessedshow.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Obsessed Show, and I'm at Josh Miles. While you're at it, head on over to iTunes. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and give us a rating. You'll help others find the show. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon. Miles Herndon is located 13 floors above beautiful Monument Circle in downtown Indianapolis. Check us out online at milesherndon.com. See you next time.